Hey everyone, I want to introduce you to the new player at the table. Uh, why don't you introduce your character? Yeah, my character is Osmond Lightblade. I'm kind of a lone wolf rogue who only looks out for himself. And Wait, I thought that we discussed that this was a cooperative table. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Just, just, just listen to the rest of the intro. All right. So Osmond is a wealthy playboy that people follow around as, as his entourage. That's, that's you. You're my entourage, and you, and, you're, and you do things like help me. No, no. You're basically saying it's all about you and that the party's just here to follow you around. What? What's the problem with that? Well, it's a cooperative game. How is that even remotely cooperative? Well, they can cooperate together to make me look good. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about how to get your players to work together. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone we do have our contest going on. So if you want to have an entry to win our really, really large dry erase, wet erase battle mat, um, then all you have to do is submit an idea for a future show topic uh, by going to becomingdm.com slash ideas. Uh, we're going to take 50 entries and then we'll pick from the entries that we have to give somebody this, this cool mat. Um, you are not limited to one. If you've got five ideas, if you've got 10 ideas, if you've got 20 ideas, go ahead and submit them. All we ask is that it not re- not duplicate a previous show's topic, and you're good to go to enter. Mm-hmm. And this, I, I actually have one of these battle maps. Um, it's my favorite for outdoor settings because then I never have to erase and move or add additional maps just because it's big enough. They can run around. Yeah, it's 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 pretty big. You, I mean... It, you can do a lot of stuff in this thing. So uh, go to becomingdm.com slash ideas and submit your idea today to enter. All right. So let's let's get to our topic. Why are we talking about this, Danielle? Why, why does it even matter if, if we've got players cooperating in the game? From my experience um, and plenty of it, uh, if your players have, have already made a decision that, that they're not going to cooperate, especially during a cooperative campaign, which I've honestly never ran a campaign that wasn't intended to be cooperative, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it honestly, it just doesn't work is the problem, right? Because you can't make progress. There's too much infighting. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get this, this situation where, where people think that, my idea and the way that that I should run my character is the most important, and I don't care about what anyone else does. And it just it causes things to be very rough. It's possible to run a game like that. It's not as a, as a DM. It's not terribly fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that importantly, when you have players that are that are working together, especially when they're really closely working together you can really get more buy into the game. So you can have things, and, and I've seen it manifest in things like showing up to games and showing up on time because they know that like, hey, everybody's working together. We're all counting on each other. And, and so I need to be there when we've, got a, when, when we've got a game going on. I don't want to miss it for some little silly reason that, uh, that maybe I would, would miss otherwise. Yeah, you can... <clears throat> you you definitely want that buy-in. It helps a lot with that buy-in, especially when 
people are anticipate like when people aren't feeling accepted at the table, right? Like their ideas don't matter. They're a lot less inclined to show up, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, or trying to say anyways. And if people feel like they're being heard, they're being validated, they're working as a team. Cause when you don't have teamwork, then instead of it being everyone's plan to assault the castle, it's Tom's plan. And we wanted to have tea instead, you know, and that can create some, some issues. And then you start running into a little bit more attendance issues, people being late just cause they're not excited to show up. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, what are, what are you more likely to show up for something that you're having a lot of fun doing or something that you're just like, you're there. Maybe it's not as fun as you'd hoped it would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, as you said, it's going to, it's going to put more excitement into the players and their game and, and the, the things that they're, the campaign objectives that they're trying to accomplish. Um, I feel like we've also seen where there's less argument about um, taking the correct path forward. Now, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say no argument. I will say because because there there there's no real way around having no argument, but at least you have less argument because people are at least bought into the fact that they're working together as a team. Yeah, if your entire team prior to doing this accepts that it, they don't want any casualties or something. Um, it makes it a lot easier for them all to come up with a plan that everybody's okay with and agrees with when, you know, everybody's kind of on the same page and working towards similar goals. Yep. So let's maybe talk about where we start. And I think that, uh, as always, we start at the beginning. Um, when, uh, and, and I'm going way back to, to what I call the beginning. This is before session zero. This is when you're trying to figure out who is going to play at your table. And it it is kind of hard to do when you're talking to people about, um, about joining your game and trying to suss out what kind of game that they run and, and that they're willing to have something that's collaborative because players want to play at the table. They, they, so if you're too blatantly obvious about what you're trying to get to, they'll try to try to give you the answer that you want. But I think if you're, if you're able to to do that in a way that you can find out whether they're a team player or not, um, it can really help. Uh, but some of the thing, like the watchwords to look for is if they, mm-hmm. if they talk about themselves or their past characters as a lone wolf as the as the guy that always pulls everybody out of the fire because he's the only one that knows what he's doing. I mean, talk to them about their past characters. You'll get kind of a feeling, I think, for how they play them. Oh, you absolutely can. I've uh, <clears throat> I've played with a lot of different people, and it's actually pretty rare in my in my experience to find somebody who plays very different characters every time. Yep. Usually, once you hear about somebody's like second and third character, you find a very, very recognizable pattern, <laughs> and that's basically the trope that they will stick to forever, as mostly. Yep. Um, so, for those of you who've been uh, listening along, or maybe you missed it, uh, we did talk about finding players for your game back in episode twenty nine, uh, becomingdm.com slash ep twenty nine. So, if you want some some strategies and techniques for finding players as well as as well as that kind of initial interview um, check that out and then and then add in some of these things we're going to be talking about as far as making sure they're not that lone wolf player they're not that that player that's just going to have their own 
agenda in totality. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the, I think that's kind of step one is like before you have anybody join you at the table, try and figure out if they are, are a team player. Yeah, it's it's definitely step one. And like you said, talking to them about their past characters, you find out about their, you know, who they've played before, and you can put that forward into having an idea. Mind you, I come from a small town, and so my player availability is whoever's willing to come, usually. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, ha- you have fewer options to turn somebody down for not being a team player, is what you're saying. Pretty much, pretty much, uh, yeah. And then... And then what I have to do is I basically just have to have discussions or, you know, pull it through in it like a session zero, right? Where we yeah, talk so, about. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, so let's talk about session zero. Why don't you get us started there and, and like talk about what things we might want to do in session zero to help out with this? Well, the first thing that you want to do, especially if you know that this is a collaborative game, is to let them know that it's a collaborative game, especially especially if you're worried about them. Um, maybe not being as teamwork oriented as you as you're hoping, um, giving people that heads up, right, and making sure like it's it's stated right at the beginning. This is an expectation. This is like a team playing game. That way, number one, they know that basically what's expected of them is to not run around and be a lone wolf. Hopefully, right. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, it's always hopefully. Um, and number two, they know, well, how to create their character, but then they can also know that maybe they don't want to join your campaign. I, If they want to play a lone wolf campaign, I, I don't know. Do those, like, I mean, oh, you, can't, you can just run the game yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that in session zero, you're also going to set uh, some expectations on on the things that you will and won't do. Uh, We've talked about session zeros before. I don't have that episode handy because I did not think about taking notes on that when we were were prepping. Um, But I would say that that when I typically run games, the things that I usually establish when we're at the beginning is, is that we can absolutely have arguments between characters because arguments happen. This is not like even the best of friends are going to have arguments of, of, of what they're going to do. Um, to those arguments, I usually recommend, and I think we've talked about this before as well, I usually recommend to have somebody that's nominated as the tiebreaker um, and and everybody votes on who that is and it could change from session to session or, for, or from arc to arc, however they want to do it. And that person basically just says, hey, we're at a logjam, nothing's moving forward, um, we're going this way, end of story. And as long as everybody votes on it and agrees to it, then, then that should help as well. Um, and then the next thing that I usually establish is around um, player versus player combat. I usually t- say that I don't allow it, expect, except in special circumstances, which we'll get to in a second. And my reasoning is because it, it frankly, it slows the game down. Um, the way that the way that individual classes are set up, I feel like that that just a straight on player versus player fight thing, you've got certain classes that are just going to naturally beat the crap out of other classes because it's a one versus one thing. Um, where in a true, in a real battle, they all have to kind of use their strengths to support the other's weaknesses. And, and, and then finally, like if, if players really want to fight, you can do a special game for that, a special one-off session or, 
like where it's an arena or a dream. And I think that you have done um, some sessions like this before, right, Danielle? I've actually, this is actually part of my like main go-to set of things. I have, I have two or three pre-made maps um, that I just kind of keep around. And sometimes like it, it's like if my work day was just crazy and I didn't have time to prep or I don't have the mental fortitude to actually DM that night. I mean, I, I obviously don't do this like back to back or like super often. <laughs> <laughs> this but is I, our 18th <laughs> session running back to back of doing this. <laughs> yeah, I think people might stop showing up for that. But but I like surprising people with it because they find it exciting. They kind of get uh, to you know, uh, work through their own personal inter-character issues. Uh, but yeah, I've got these pre-made maps and uh, a little rule set that I follow. It's pretty basic just with how I interact with them. And uh, <clears throat> and yeah, they get to spend the session um, fighting in this arena and trying to be the victor. And I usually have uh, like a magic item prize at the end mm -hmm. of it. Uh, sometimes, actually, what I have done, if you want to get a lot of buy-in, this worked actually fabulously, is I had everybody write a magic item. Based on their level, you have to give, like, a value. So, like, if they're level 5, maybe 500 gold value kind of thing. Um, but whatever magic item in that price range that they want the most, right? And so then they hand you those pieces of paper. And then whoever wins, you hand them that piece of paper back as their prize. Mm-hmm. That got a ton of buy-in. And uh, yeah, then they kill each other and they love it. And I didn't really have to do anything. And everybody's happy. Ex most people are happy. One person yeah, is for well, sure happy. <laughs> and, and I mean, I imagine like the way that I've I've done this is is typically it's a it's a no-stakes battle. So when you get killed by your, your friend, you don't actually die. Uh, the next session, everybody's characters are kind of back and healthy again. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So you're not actually having somebody lose their character that they've been playing in the campaign all this time only to have to roll a new one. So No, I feel like you would only <laughs> do that if you're like, I'm quitting DM. Like, just, yeah. I'm just quitting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, that whatever you do in Session Zero, though, uh, the, the, really the key thing is just to make sure you set expectations that the party's going to need to work together. And, and I, I, I would phrase it like that either should or needs to. Um, has to is is like, a, I'm forcing you, but really they need to in order to be successful here. There's going to be challenges where you can't do this on your own. There's going to be challenges where you have to work together and your skill sets augment each other, blah, blah, blah. So um, I usually phrase it that they need to work together. Mm -hmm. I've, I usually actually take a bit of an opposite approach, which is, I guess, kind of anti-teamwork now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like sometimes you have like a split, like a perfect division in your party and half want to do this and half want to do that. And I don't like forcing people's choices. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've what I've done in the past is I basically just allow both halves of the whole to go their separate ways. Um, which usually results in everybody taking way more damage than they would have beforehand because you can highlight in those situations, like when party A now is, you know, you know, you got your fighter and your barbarian, they're over here doing this and they encounter a bunch of rangers, right? And their ranger and their wizard are over here and they encounter a barbarian, right? So you can, you can make them kind of see why it's better to stick together if you let them split up. That yeah, being said, uh, and, it slows the game down a lot. And, 
and let me be clear. When I say that I tell them that they need to, whether they follow that direction or not <laughs> is entirely up to them. Um, so if they decide to do just what you said, then yeah, they're they're gonna get they're gonna get beat up a little bit. Um, whereas if they work together, it's gonna be easier. They need to work together in order to get through this and not uh, and, and have a less a lower likelihood of dying. <laughs> um, but I will say sometimes asking isn't enough. Sometimes session zero isn't enough. And so um, we, we have to resort to some other tactics to try and get the party to work together. And I think the, the first one that I've typically done is, um, is to make sure that, that I understand what the backstories of the characters in the game are. And you can approach this a couple of different ways. Either you can have their, have them work together to define backstories that are actually tied together about how they know each other. Um, sometimes players don't do a great job with that because sometimes players won't don't really want to put a lot of effort into their backstory. So what I have typically done is tried to tie in the blank spaces in their backstory where maybe it doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't they they haven't provided a lot of information and use those to tie them together. Like oftentimes you get somebody that has has had their their parents killed, their town attacked, whatever. Um, that's a real easy way if if uh, if they haven't gone into a lot of detail there to define like this same enemy is the same person that killed killed Joe's parents and burned down Sally's town. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, same same dude. Yep. Do you do um, anything with uh, with backstories? I do, and uh, it's something that when I started doing it, I loved it, and I never stopped doing it. I think I might have mentioned it in our session zero episode, which I I do think was 53, um, EP 53. Uh, and some people don't like it. So I will, I will preface it with that. Some people hate it, but, um, I found that it works really good is I get on the session zero is, uh, I get everybody to roll dice and okay. whoever rolls closest, uh, we immediately like on the spot improv, uh, a connection between the two characters, right? So where did you guys interact? Now, that being said, I do have a lot of like uh, cards for randomizers or inspiration, things that people might need for the for the less creative folk. Um, and I, I do that around the table until everybody's connected to nearly everybody. It only takes like 15 minutes. It doesn't actually mm-hmm. take that long as long as you keep on it and don't let people get too sidetracked. But right off the hop... Everybody has a shared interest, shared knowledge of each other. Um, you don't need to start people off as randoms in a tavern or send everybody a note that says you're summoned. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of changes how you can do your openers. It gives you a lot of backstory to work with. Um, just, just from listening to the people talk, I take notes heavily during this phase. And I don't know, I've noticed a lot of really nice buy-in from it. Yeah, I think that if you have the players um, improving to some extent to create those things, it's something they've now created. So I, I think that that helps get more buy-in. I think that that probably gets more buy-in than than the way that I've done it sometimes, where I'm filling in gaps of the story that they've created because those are that's still the thing that I've made. So they don't have to accept it necessarily. Yeah, that's that's fair. People people feel a lot more attached to things that came out of their own noggin. Yep. Um, 
now, as we've as we've mentioned a couple of times now, if you're relying upon those backstories, really be careful and pay attention when you see that lone wolf uh, trope, um, and and offer suggestions to bring the PC the the character to where maybe they maybe at some point they were a lone wolf and maybe they changed their ways because of something and and so give give them an opportunity to uh to tweak their story so it's less um i'm on my own kind of thing mhm and it doesn't need to change all to like butterflies and rainbows um you know like like john said they could used to be a lone wolf but then something tragic happened they needed teamwork they needed the power of friendship um, <laughs> and the and that kind of like turned them around they can still be a little bit standoffish or you know however in in their demeanor and talking but they do need to they do need to provide teamwork to the team yep um so beyond uh beyond the uh backstory you can also create common goals for them. And, and so, Danielle, I'm going to have you kick this off and like talk about some of the common goals that we might have have the characters sharing um, that is probably more than just something uh, that's part of the story. So I like – like common goals is I think like one of the pillars of D&D um, or sorry, tabletop role-playing games. I know – that you're Pathfinder guy, <laughs> but <laughs> but I I do think it's one of the pillars because I, like if if nobody if everybody isn't agreeing on the same objective then pr- things are probably going to get a little bit interesting and uh, hard to control. Um, but yeah, so one of the first ways to do that is easiest way common enemy right. Uh, you were yep. saying before about the same guy who is burning down all of their childhood villages or whatever. Uh, you can also, so that's like a big enemy. You can also do it with a small enemy just to get every, especially when you got like little level ones running around. Um, you could have everyone have like their favorite possession stolen by like a thieving goblin for them to chase after. Immediately, like it's an easy thing to catch and, and go and kill and do, especially at level one. They all want to because this thing that they just put this time into buying and putting on their character and they need it for their build to work. Uh, now they don't have it. Go get it back from the goblin. Yep. Yeah. And and um, I, I think I've talked about this many times of of, uh, of the Pathfinder group that I've been running a game with for several years now. Um, one of the one of the biggest things that got everybody on the same page was actually an enemy for one of the characters that they all decided like this guy's crap and and I don't <laughs> like him and I don't like him for you and they all just kind of got on board with with uh not liking this character which was something completely unplanned but but sometimes the the players will define that common enemy uh <laughs> without you necessarily putting a lot of work into into who they are Use it. Um, absolutely continue down that, that path when that happens because that's that's gold. <laughs> you know, this this kind of happened in my campaign. I intended for them to have this NPC to like run around with. And mm-hmm. my entire part, he was supposed to be a friend. My entire party collectively decided that they hate him, uh, but, they, <laughs> but they need him. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's hilarious. It's great. Um, but yeah, so you, you can have them, you know, connected – like you said, by by NPCs, common well, you said common enemies. I changed, but but my team, you know, bonded over their d- 
dislike, their extreme yeah. dislike of this character. <laughs> uh, for no good reason, I might add. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... <laughs> I can use what use what the players will give you because that oh, yeah. just makes your job so much easier. Um, some other common goals um, that that you could you could implement there, uh, some sort of undiscovered treasure that they all kind of have an interest in for whatever reason. Maybe there's maybe there's treasure treasure that's specific to their character class that that could be useful to them or something like that. Uh, this is kind of I think a, a common common storyline trope is discovering some sort of undiscovered treasure, right? Yeah. Undiscovered or lost, um, kind of going back to the goblins stolen, but yep. obviously a higher end treasure. Um, you could also make it like if they're all from extremely different backgrounds, you could have the treasure be called something different in each of their homelands. And so they're all going after X item which is the identical item, but they all think it's different, but all their clues are leading them in the same direction. You could have a little bit of fun with that, I think. You'd have to plan it out, though. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, to that, like, some of the goals that you have, if you can make the individual player goals that the individual character has either be something that can be accomplished with broader party goals or something that you can somehow make the rest of the players care about, um, that can help too. So, so when you're thinking about these goals, they don't have to be like the same goal for everybody. It could be that like Joe has this this goal to restore honor to his family. It just so happens that that by pursuing this other party goal, he can regain some artifact to, to that he can then return to his homeland. So that they may do that as get that as part of the party goal, and then help him finish his individual goal of returning it to his homeland or something as long as they've gotten bought into it by then. Yeah, like a little side quest with the same ending. Yeah. But you're right, it, that would that would significantly improve buy-in uh, from that particular character. Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a, a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. So beyond common goals, what are some other things that we, we should do to try and uh, get, get players to, to collaborate and work together here? Ooh, um, we're going to go back to the power of friendship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically, you need to promote teamwork, right? So I gave an example before where I was actively not prom- promoting teamwork. I was just, I didn't, I never even suggested they work together. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thoughts slipped my mind. And that's not good because you do want to promote teamwork and one easy way to do that is to create situations um kind of like i talked about before 
where the party did split, but you can have the, you know, the two melee CQC fighters run into a ranged combatant and you can have your, you know, more long range guys run into a barbarian, depending on, you know, how they split. And that would create number one, a situation that would highlight that they need teamwork. But another yep. thing that you can do is create situation like bef- bef- do this before they split up, right? Because yep. if you can if you can make these situations happen before they they start to venture out on their own, they're going to think back and be like, oh, you know, we would have actually all died if we weren't with the rogue who could pick that lock, or we would have all actually died if we weren't with the barbarian who obliterated that monster from the abyss. Yeah, and and so when we talk about teamwork, yes, combat is an easy way to do it, but but also keep in mind those things that are not combat focused. You mentioned picking the lock, but it, it could be it could be anything where you've got some sort of skill check or or something requires some sort of magic spell casting ability uh, in order for the team to progress that has nothing to do with combat. Uh, could be solving puzzles and stuff like that that uh that uh that that requires again those those unique skill sets of each character right mm-hmm. and for this you like the more you know about your the characters that your players are playing um the more effectively that you can do this so it, you can just go based off of kind of how i've been explaining it of oh that's a ranger they're ranged this is a barbarian he's probably got an axe um but if you know that it's like, well, this is uh, this is a a wizard that has like an incredibly ridiculous spot check, right? And yep. they're they're all excited about it. You don't even know about it, like until you look at their points. You're like, <laughs> why did you put all these points in in spot or perception? They're like, oh, I just I love looking at things. Or <laughs> you, you never know what the answer is going to be. And the more you get to know your players, the more that you can kind of like tailor everything to to kind of make everybody feet to give everybody their chance in the spotlight yeah and i think that it's important to to know it so that the spotlights that you give the party don't um only spotlight one or two of the characters because you could be thinking that like oh i'm doing this thing and i'm having all these skill checks and then it's it's always uh joe the barbarian that that is like oh I'm really good at that. Let me do it. Oh, I'm really good at that. Let me do that. And they've just like <laughs> set their character up so that they're good at these things that maybe you didn't expect. Uh, but but it, it helps to understand the characters, but also what remembering what you've done before and who which characters you've highlighted so that you can you can make it a blend and, and actually show that teamwork is is important rather than just like make sure to keep Joe the Barbarian around. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I I have a session log that I keep um, every time I have a session and I have a very specific field on my session log that says player highlight and then like a little plan for it down below because usually at the start of the session I've got a pretty good idea about what's going to happen and then I know before the session even starts don't tell my players I know before the session starts who is going to be highlighted in that scenario mm-hmm. and how I'm going to do it and it it gives one specific person a time to like shine and feel really really good in that session and I love seeing that feeling like on their faces. Yep. 
And like that's, I said, I keep track of it so I don't just, it's like, it's Tom and now it's Daisy and now it's Tom and now it's Susan and now it's Tom and now it's Dave, <laughs> you know, and then everybody's like, oh, I hate Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Dang Tom. Um, now I like the idea of, of making sure you keep a log of that. I usually have just kept track of it in my head, which is probably not the best way to do it. So I, say, I personally section... can't rely on that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we, we, we briefly mentioned puzzles there, but, but if you have a party that likes puzzles, then, then having puzzles that can only be solved by working together is actually a, a, a good way to foster this as well. And, and that could be, I, I think of like the, um, uh, like legend, legend of Zelda style puzzles where like somebody has to stand on this, on this spot to push this button. And somebody else has to stand on this spot to push this button. And somebody has to stand on that spot. And once we all there, it'll open the door. Um, it, it doesn't have to be quite as like obviously tied to video games, but you can have <laughs> something where, where you need multiple people to be doing the same thing at the same time in order to get through the puzzle. Uh, or it could also rely upon those skill checks that we used before where it requires a certain like athletics check to do something or, or something else. Um, but I, I will say like when we talk about puzzles, remember that not everybody likes puzzles. And if you have a party where not everybody likes puzzles, then trying to use a puzzle as a teamwork thing could backfire you on you and cause the exact opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, you definitely need to pander to the masses um, when you're doing team building stuff. Um, but at the same time, you still want to throw in those puzzles for the puzzle lover. You just I, basically, I don't know, if you got five players and one person likes puzzles, then one out of every five sessions, puzzle. Easy. Yep. You can just, it's really easy to map. <laughs> I mean, if, if you can actually fit them in like that, obviously campaign running does not go that smoothly, uh, but it is a good way to kind of track it and measure it. Yep. Um, so moving on, another thing that you can do to try and encourage teamwork is actually use it against the party. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and by that, I mean, especially when you were talking about combat, uh, set, up a, set up challenges where maybe you've got enemies that they would normally consider inferior, weak, whatever, and have them work together as a team and, uh, and potentially have a really significant impact on the party. <laughs> yes, you, you can do that. If you, if you think and like plan it just a little, because you have to plan it. Instead of having five people who are having a discussion, you're having a discussion with five people in your head and you're all yep. of them but you have to assign them different personalities i mean if they're all goblins they're all goblins but you can do this in a town too um you know a lot of people shopkeeps they're pretty uh they're not overly powerful um typically but if your party your higher level party gets taken out by a, a set of shopkeeps who are upset at them <laughs> constantly rolling bluff checks and persuasion checks and, you know, chancing them out of their money. Um, maybe they get together. Maybe they do something, right? The yep. power of teamwork. Yeah, and uh, if you use um, monsters that have things like pack tactics, it, it helps with that where they get advantages when they're they're both attacking the same enemy. Um, uh We've talked about Tucker, Tucker's kobolds a, a couple of times. This is where 
this is one where the the kobolds you're in their their den so it's also a lot about traps but you can actually see the kobolds working together to reset traps and stuff like that so i think it plays a little bit into the into the teamwork thing there as as well that would that that would that would just annoy a party member, right? If <laughs> if they were rolled a spot check or you know you just tell them that their perception succeeded and you're like all those things that you just did, the kobolds are rebuilding them while you yep. guys are fighting the other guys. That would be so annoying. <laughs> now I will say that the that the the demonstrating how teamwork can beat the party really only works if two things happen. Uh, one is that the enemies actually work together. And either trounce or put up a really significant fight for the type of enemy that they that, that the party really expected less of a fight for. And two, um, the party needs to survive. <laughs> yeah. And they can do this either by by having a really hard one fought fight or or by running away or even by being captured by the enemy. Um, and if they get captured by the enemy, you can have them talk about how like how like uh, uncoordinated the group was among like amongst themselves that they just oh, the party over here is like how uncoordinated the party was and how easy they were to beat and stuff like that so you, you can use the dialogue of their enemies to say like oh man these people don't know how to work as a team they're so easy to beat i was, I was gonna say you might want to play that one like a little close to the to the chest otherwise you'll just your party will will basically just instantly be able to identify that you're like you need to work as a team look what i did because you guys can't agree on anything Right. Yeah, I mean, definitely be be a little bit less obvious. Um, but you can you can like you can have them talk about how disorganized, like reporting to the to the commander. Did you have any trouble? No, they were really disorganized. We we went through them like butter or, or something like that. You don't even have to use the word teamwork, but um, but uh, just uh, like highlight a conversation yeah Yeah. just highlight like like at least one essential flaw where they failed at teamwork in like that scenario like they're talking to their captain or whatever and it's like oh no no no, we had them as soon as they decided to split up yeah you know divide and conquer we succeed you know something like that you can work around it but you'd you'd have to like pre-plan it i feel so that it doesn't come off as like just telling them to work together (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it's 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 observations for sure. It's definitely not. Um, it's definitely not going to be like a. Oh, you could have beaten us if you just done this and this and this. Because <laughs> that, that's a little, little. That's a little bit uh, a little on the nose. Uh, you could do that. You could have the bad guy monologue for them. Right. This was our awesome. plan. This is what we did. This is where you failed. Right. You could. That would actually probably work pretty good too. But I mean, if you do it in a really um, because you're you're playing these enemies, if you do it in a really condescending way, it could, um, depending upon the party and their personalities mm-hmm. and how they react to that kind of stuff, it could get them so pissed off that they're like, "Well, I'll show you. The next time we meet, we're going to do that stuff." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it comes down to kind of knowing knowing the party and what what's going to resonate with them as to as to. Uh, whether or not to do that, or if you're going to do it, how to do it, right? Yeah, some some people will respond in, you know, positively and negatively to different things. And like you say, you got to, we, we say this a lot, we say this a lot, you got to know your players, right? Because yep. it'll change from table to table. And some players might just respond better to you just giving bonuses for teamwork. 
Speaking of which, <laughs> that's kind of the next thing that we're going to talk about um, on on how to encourage that teamwork is awarding bonuses for teamwork. My personal thought, I don't know about you, Danielle, but my personal thought, this is kind of, in my mind, a last resort. Like, I, I feel like teamwork in a game like D&D is really something that you should be doing already, um, just like part of playing the game. And so... I feel like rewarding someone for doing something they should be doing is it's it's kind of I not my favorite. I'll do it if I need to, but what are your thoughts? It's all it's also it would it's another one of those things that's like really hard to do subtly, right? Yeah. Like you would basically have to do it completely overtly for it to have any impact. You'd have it's it's kind of like when, you know, you your kids are fighting and and you make them hug, you know, it's like, "No, now you have to hug." <laughs> and you know that they're not happy about it. You're just trying to teach them a lesson. It's not like you've you've fostered this great sense of connection between the two of them through this this angered hug. And you're basically doing the same thing with prizes. Like once once they realize that they'll get a prize for doing that, that becomes part of the meta of playing your game. Is yep. You know, Hold on, guys. We need to do teamwork. What, what can we do that's teamwork here? <laughs> yeah, I need 50 more gold to get that, that magic muffin. So we need some sort of teamwork thing to get that the next tier reward or what have you. And, but you know what? If that's how you can make your team work together and that's the only way how or the way that you've chosen to do and that works, all the power to you. The biggest challenge here, though, is that because you're reward, you are providing a, an award or reward for teamwork, they have to show the teamwork first. So either you have to use one of our other techniques we've talked about and, and get people to work together, or you're, you're just going to have to hit them over the head with a skillet and say, look, if you guys do some teamwork, then you're going to get this fancy, shiny prize, um, which, again, goes back to that whole meta thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just when as soon as you said that i was picturing like being back in school where you're doing like a quiz and they hand it back to you and you're like no show me your work right yeah and you, you could hand them a sheet and be like no 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 write a, write out exactly how you team worked to deserve this <laughs> um <laughs> whatever this is beginning to sound a lot like school <laughs> i did a lot of math in D &D. way more math than i think i ever did in school <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, so let's talk about what some of those, those awards might be, because if you've gotten to this point, you may be looking to, to award the team for doing teamwork and, and having a, having a good idea of some things that could, could possibly happen, uh, would be good. Um, the, I, I will, the, the one that I have used before and, um, that I like because it was a it was a one time thing, it was a temporary basis, and it was actually a result of the team solving a puzzle that they had to work together to solve. And so once they got through it, they got while they were in this dungeon, they got a a, a plus one on their on their uh, attacks on all their attacks, uh, and it was temporary. So I wasn't doing anything game breaking. Uh, and once they were out of the dungeon, the, the bonus was away. Um, and it was very situational uh, because they could tell it was it was as a result of them sh solving this puzzle rather than necessarily a result of them specifically teamwork, teamwork. Uh, <laughs> so that's one that I've done. What, what have you done? 
That's actually my favorite as well is uh, is the modifiers, right? Well, 3.5 modifiers. If you're doing 5e, then they really simplify that and they just give you advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you get advantage on X, right? Um, so that is kind of like my go-to. But you can get a little bit more exciting about it depending on the situation right so if if your party executes immaculate teamwork in defense of the king i don't know um they could be awarded a title right maybe mm-hmm. the king sees those two wor- and just like if it's just like two people who like worked really good together and like coordinated something or even the team um you know give them a name you know some sort protectors of protectors of the realm or something like that yeah yeah you could do something like hero points. Um, I've never heard so of hero it's, points. Yeah, so it's something that they could could save up for later in like that critical situation, and by by I, I would say by gaining them through teamwork, I would say that that players may be more willing to use them in a teamwork situation so that they potentially gain them back because I. You, if you use hero points in your game, and I, I haven't used them a lot, but the games that I've seen them used in, uh, people hoard those things. They don't want to use them because, like, I might need them later. This is the ultimate battle. You might need it now. No, there might be something after that. I'm going to save it till later. <laughs> and Just so, in case the treasure chests a mimic. Yeah. So if you, I, I think that if you have an established like. You you had some awesome teamwork there and and got a a, a hero point for it um they may be more inclined to use it if they're doing something teamworky that's fair but again i haven't used hero points a lot so um this is the first uh, i've heard of them but i I, i'm kind of like picturing how it works obviously since i've never heard of it i'm basically just generating my own system at the moment but i kind of like it but i see what you mean about people hoarding them yeah. So, I mean, it would be like a situational bonus. So, um, I, I, depending upon how you implement it, it could be like, I'm, I want to use my hero point and get advantage, uh, when I do this, this role or, or a bonus to this role or like to go even further, like I've rolled this role and it sucks. I want to use a hero point to re-roll it. Um, so there, there's a few ways I think that I've I've seen it implemented. I think that in one of the books there may be some official rules of it. Like I said, I haven't <laughs> really used them in my <laughs> games, but but that's a couple of ways I, I could see them being useful. And because it's really just a one-time use thing, it's not like it's game breaking by awarding them. So um, yeah, my only I guess my only thing that I'm taking issue with now with with regards to the hero points, I like it. But when you're rewarding somebody for teamwork, and but then you're giving like independent people, that you know, yeah, the you point. you kind of have to decide whether you give it to everyone in the party, mm-hmm. or whether you give it to to the to, to the person who had the action that pulled it all together. Um, it's really kind of up to you as the DM as as far as how big you want to go. I bet you could make uh, like like you know how there there's probably like a hero points point tier spend list somewhere right one point for this two points for that um you could probably make the same thing with with i don't know team points party points much better party points there you go party points party points sounds like fun (laughs) (laughs) 
I think I'm pretty much tapped out on ways to award teamwork. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I, I I do think that we are we are at the end of our discussion uh, around how to make your t- your players work together. Unless you had anything else that you wanted to add here at the end. Nope, I don't think so. I think it's just something that you need to pay attention to right off the hop and uh, yep. get in front of it as soon as possible. Yeah, because it really does make games run more smoothly. It really does make it to where you are uh, hurting fewer cats. I can't say <laughs> that it will make it to where you're not hurting cats at all, but it will make it to where you're hurting fewer cats and make your job as a DM just overall better. And I think it makes it more fun for the players as well. I tend to agree. S- yeah, so uh, best of luck as you do this. Um, remember that if you have ideas for uh, for show set for uh, for future shows, and you want to enter our contest to win that battle mat, uh, go to becomingdm.com/ideas and submit your idea there. Every idea gets you an entry. So, uh, and we're going to take at most fifty entries. So, at at worst, a one in fifty shot of winning that thing. Um, so, I think that's all we have. So, uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And until then. Stay nerdy, Stay nerdy friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becoming DM. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.